Action! Hello and welcome to episode 349 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director, and a producer. And on today's show, we have a short film masterclass for you with the director, Chris Overton. He won the Oscar for his short film, The Silent Child. Um, He runs Slick Films with Rachel Shenton, where they have made and produced 10 award-winning short films. And they also have four short films in post-production. And this episode is how you can too. I started off as a filmmaker making short films and bar mitzvah videos and promos and brand media content, anything I could get my hands on. But it was short films where I could really hone my craft as a filmmaker and they are huge huge learning curve for any filmmaker and it makes you understand the process of it all not just in the making of it but what goes into it how you can actually do it and most importantly how you can get your work seen Uh, Chris Everton as I say he's won an Oscar picture this the 90th Academy Award ceremony and you're there for your short film This is what happened to Chris and Rachel, and they were sat there, and their name was read out. (laughs) Uh, This is fantastic. This is an incredible achievement. And this is a masterclass in how you can do it too. So how are you all? I hope you're well. Thank you so much for listening to our Mission Impossible. Well, it feels like it's been never-ending promotion that we've done for it, but thank you for all your love and support. And myself and Dom had some fun making the videos, and I really really love uh, all your comments and support for those podcasts Chris McCorry director of of said films Eddie Hamilton editor and Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson as well if you've not listened to those listen to it after you've listened to this it's another masterclass it's incredible and it's a joy to listen to so I've mentioned it on a couple of podcasts already but this Saturday is our post-production demystified it's a zoom course so wherever you are in the world you can join us this saturday the 22nd of july so come along um because organizing a film shoot for your short or feature length film is a complicated endeavor but when it comes to post it's even more complicated but it doesn't have to be uh even more complicated because you've got the edit the grade the sound mix music vfx and all the deliverables to worry about but we've teamed up with the cutting room to give you uh, a comprehensive walkthrough of the entire process so it's this saturday july the 22nd it starts at 1 p.m british standard time where the team will guide you through all the elements you need to plan all the people you need to hire all the questions you need to answer in order to effectively schedule and budget for post-production it's called post-production demystified there's a huge link um, in the podcast but also go to our website filmmakerspodcast.com where there's even more information about this and you can buy tickets there post-production supervisor Shaheen Schlieper she's post-super on Blue Jean and Gangs of London recently and she's going to tell you how to stay one step ahead of all the demands of managing the schedule etc um, and Neil Lenthorpe the wonderful editor of Wolves of War and Confession 
We'll explain how the edit, uh, often the longest part of post, can be run and how you can make the best use of your time in the edit. You'll also get a copy of our post-production plan, uh, which contains more than 60 questions you need to answer in order to make the right decisions and build your own detailed plan for post so get ahead of the curve, get on it now. Uh, link to that is in the show notes. It's this Sunday, the 22nd of July from 1pm. Post-production, demystified, come join us. Um, some shout outs for you for some amazing people. I didn't write down everyone who um, wrote amazing comments on Mission Impossible. So it's just before that. So all those people who did, uh, you're amazing. Uh, shout outs go to Erin Dalton, Mark Hampton, Michael J. Long, who's completed his feature film, Baby Brother. Congratulations to you. I look forward to hearing more about that. Simon Ayling and his son, um, who sent me a lovely message uh, saying that they were listening in the car. Uh, And I know Simon from years back, from when we did plays together. So welcome, Simon. Um, Rachel Cave Savage. Karen Newman, whose film at the moment, Love Without Walls, is touring. Um, herself and Jane Gull are touring around the UK, so do go and see that if you can. Hopefully, we'll get Jane and Karen on the podcast very soon. Laura Guest, uh, Lena Richardson, and to Matthew and Tori Butler Hart, who's raising funds right now for their feature film, Dagger. They're raising post funds as it happens. Now, Matthew and Tori are amazing people. They are also um, hosts of this very podcast. They've already raised, I think, um, over 50%, way over now. Um, It's their fifth feature film, and it's a found footage comedy horror backed by Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen, who has been on this podcast, if you wanted to listen to his episode as well. Um, They've just finished filming. And they need funds for their post-production. So, link to this is in the show notes. Do go support. They give their time for free to give you information and knowledge on this podcast. So do go and support whatever you can give. Even if you go and retweet their top tweet right now, their pinned tweet about this. That is good enough. That I will accept. But if you can, if you do have any spare cash, do go and back the project now. Link to that. Dagger, spelled D-A-G-R, is in the show notes. Okay. Um, Next week is our 350th episode. So myself and the team are going to sit with Stephen Follows and do a business of film special all about the SAG uh, strike that's happening right now. And we're going to do facts, figures and information about actors, directors, the usual. But it's back. Business of film next week. 350th. A big episode. God, 350 of them. There we go. For now. Sit back, relax, enjoy me, Giles Alderson, chatting to fantastic director Chris Overton in the short film Masterclass. Enjoy. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Thanks very much for having me on. Very pleasure. Very pleasure. Does it make sense? It's a pleasure. Um, we are in your office, which is a, a converted, well, it's still a church, but you've got an absolutely amazing office here, Slick Films' office. It's nice. You're just telling me you've been here a year. Is it something that is massively helpful, beneficial in terms of your thought process to get out of a house, to have like a separate office? Without a doubt. I think it gives me that separation, but I think I work better in here as well. Really? Yeah, I do. I feel more inspired. Um, That's, you know, having the film posters up and Mm. things like that. I just think environment plays a big part. So I don't know, being being at home, I, I, I don't work as well. So this is 
perfect yeah 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 no I, I i'm the same i've got little office in in my house and sometimes you're like oh, it would be good to have the space you go to and you look up at the end of the day and you go home again it's kind of nice a lot of people come in and out of here as well and i think you you know the amount of times that a good chat has led to something else or we've said oh you mm. could do that or we could do that together yeah so yeah that i like that element of it as well nice how often are you writing are you like at the moment is it something you you're constantly writing all the time or have you got stuff on the go you write and you dip back in and out well i i'm i wouldn't ever say i'm a writer mm. uh, my partner rachel who's uh company director of slick films mm-hmm. she's the writer um and i i direct um and i'll have some involvement in the script as early as i, I as she'll let me mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think i'm chipping away on on my part of of the contribution towards whatever projects we're working on yeah and that takes up so much time you know like um and and also just running the company Mm. you know putting out various fires day to day and we've got a lot of projects so that's yeah my day-to-day is is kind of overseeing the company and working on our own projects too Mm. because as a director you've still always got to put your stamp on the writing process of it and the thought process behind it all. I think I'm very lucky, to be honest, with with Rachel because we have a good balance. I think her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think she's just so open. If I've got, and I'm very respectful. I, I really believe, you know, without writers, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in this industry at all. Mm-hmm. My brain just doesn't work like that. So right. I'm a very visual person. Okay, and. Yeah, I, I kind of will say a visual idea to Rachel and we can kind of work on that together. Um, and yeah, we myself, uh, Rachel and um, our head of film, Rebecca Harris, we've kind of stuck together really. Um, Rachel writes, I direct and Rebecca Harris Turner produces. Yeah. And, and that dynamic between us has, has served us very well so far. Mm, I really like that. Having that team is so important like when you're moving with anything and it's so hard to find, especially when you're starting out, you feel so lonely and alone and you're like, how do I even break through? And you were an actor, right? For quite a long time and you still are, right? You still act as well or is it not as much? Not as much. I think if someone was to kind of offer me something and I'd like it, I like the script, I I would probably still do it. Okay. But I don't know. I I kind of, I, I would, I would say I fell out of love with acting a little bit. Mm. Yeah. When I discovered directing. Same. Yeah. But you went you went from acting then to directing, as you said, and you fell out of love with it, which I I, I totally agree. I fell out of love with the auditioning. I fell out, in, out of love with the, the constant having to be a certain type of person. And as soon as I started directing, I was like, oh, I don't have to pretend. And it's a really weird thing. It was like, I feel like I'm pretending. I'm not being my true self. And I don't even know what that is yet. I'm still finding and maybe we always are but i don't know i don't know if i like myself looking back he's like oh fucking hell another another i don't know i maybe i was really fine i have no idea but i certainly much prefer directing and i much prefer producing and writing and i i don't i only occasionally miss the acting do you and think I, that's because you're a control freak yes <laughs> <Same> no, <here. laughs> but yes right and when you're acting you can't you can't 
you can't do that. You That's haven't. what I struggled with so much. I yeah. think you just don't have the power. You do to a certain degree. You can, you know, get the best headshots you can. You can sharpen your your skills as an actor. You can get your showreel ready. You can change your agent. Mm-hmm. But once that's done, that's kind of it. I think, you know, that's that's giving yourself, um, writing something as an actor is a great way of maybe giving yourself a job. Yep. But yeah, I think I think that lack of control as an actor really, I, I didn't get along with it after a while. Yeah. As an actor, you don't, you can't control the edit. You can't control what you look like and what the director, he or she will deliver, or the editor will deliver. It's you have no control. And I think one of mine was I did Corrie, Coronation Street, and we did twelve takes of this round the table thing, and one take, I fluffed the line. One take, I went, oh, I totally forgot. I'm having fun. We're having a great time. It was brilliant. That's the take they used. The one take of me going, ah, oh, and clearly I'd forgotten the line. And then went, uh, oh, yeah. And then went back into it. <laughs> All my family and friends are like, hang on, did you forget that? And you're like, really? And that's the thing. That's lack of control. And I think that was something else that just went, yeah, do you know what? And as soon as you started directing, and then I, I certainly learned to be a better actor when I directed and edited and you learnt, you went, ah, give those little reactions, give the looks when an editor or a director will cut to you is because of a certain look or a blink or a movement. They'll cut to you using that. But if you don't do any of those Mm -hmm. tricks and they're tricks that you take years to learn. That's why I think every actor should make their own short, direct it, shoot it themselves, edit it themselves and watch themselves and go, ah, okay, here's why I might not be getting jobs or might not be getting reaction shots in TV and film. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a great exercise, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 seeing that other side of it, yeah, it just immediately kind of made me go, wow, okay, yeah, this is where I belong. This is what I want to do. But I, I started making films. I picked up a camera and never really looked back from the age of like 13. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There was like an exact moment for me. Yeah. And, and you know what? It was editing. It was editing. We were filming a school project and, and we were, we were editing on Pinnacle 8 software. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm showing my age. And I just could not believe what you could do in the edit. I couldn't believe that you could transform a character. You could use these transitions. And I was kind of like mouth wide open, just thinking this is incredible. Mm. And from there, I learned to edit myself and, and I got like a little camera for my birthday. And I've I've been kind of playing around up until the age of like 19 when I started really taking it seriously. Mm. All that time you were acting, were you constantly making shorts then as well? Was it something you were just putting yourself in front, writing parts for yourself or getting the team to write for you? At that stage, like filmmaking was the, a reason to get me in things as an actor, like my own little projects on the weekend. You know, I, I, you know, from, I'm from a, a place called Cannock, which is quite a, a rough place so it was either like i could get into trouble or i could make films on the weekend and right it's kind of what i chose to do i kept out of trouble that way mm. so yeah and how brilliant uh, i totally agree i think it's a brilliant way for actors to showcase themselves and if it's rubbish you don't have to show anyone but if it's all right you've got showreel material and that's how i did it i started you know, making stuff myself. I'd always written. I'd always written plays at the Royal Court, uh, Young Writers Programme, Soho, and I shied away from directing. And it was only, you know, through a mistake another director pulled out 
on a BBC pilot that I went, all right, well, I'll do it. And that's when I fell in love. Was it similar for you? Exactly the same. Wow. I, I, wow. I had a, you know, I'd always kind of, I think I'd always hide behind someone else. Like mm. I'd, I'd, I, I, I really loved cinematography. I loved, I think I loved directing. I didn't know what, what it all really was. I did, you know, I started doing showreels for actors. That's kind of where oh, yeah. I began. Um, yeah. And I would never want to take the reins. I'd always be like, no, 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 I can help. But I'd chip in. I didn't have the confidence, I don't think, to kind of step into it. And then we were doing the the Silent Child. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was going to be co-directed. And, wow. um, it, it, you know, it was just one of those things. The other the other person was just kind of, you know, said it wasn't wasn't for him. Um, wow. So I think I think we were struggling to kind of, you know, get the money, get it, get it off the ground. And, you know, I think he was more of a, a writer director and fair enough. And Rachel had written this. So it just, it didn't, no, it didn't really feel right for him. So I was like, oh my God, like in this position where I was like, right, I've, I've got to do this. There's no way I can't not tell this story. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of how I, yeah, how it all started really. Wait, so Silent Child, The Silent Child, was your first... Uh, official short film i would call it my first official short film wow. yeah i so I, I i all i guess i kind of started my own film school with a company called slick show reels yeah. which that's when i you know the, the company was birthed it, it evolved into slick films but slick show reels is still going today great and it's thriving mm-hmm. and it's a great way to kind of discover new talent for us now mm. but that's where i learned everything you know you've got we had like two crew members, two actors, and we had to make something beautiful out of that. And I made so many mistakes. And and I think that was my training ground. That was my film school, Great. you know. So I didn't just go straight into a short. I had all, I had like, I think I had about five or six years practice before The Silent Child. So mm. yeah, that was my first official short, but I had... I had the chance to make so many mistakes and fail and fail and fail until I kind of learnt valuable lessons great i love that that's so fascinating and what's amazing about you know the silent challenge is you know you won an oscar for your first official short film i st- I, I don't know i mean it's like four or five years ago now has it sunk in yet that that was pretty impressive yeah i think so <laughs> I, I think Good. when it's your first thing and it's your first festival run yeah i mean we honestly didn't even know you could could win an oscar for a short film it's not until we got on set and people were saying god this is really good you know like this this Mm. the energy on set feels it feels like we're doing something very special and Mm. and then there was like oh you know there was talk of it then like you should submit to an oscar qualifying festival we're like what's that Mm. we genuinely didn't know the idea behind it was you know it was rachel's drive to kind of uh, raise the profile of deaf awareness mm-hmm. and at the same time you know try and do something important and step up from showreels into short films and hopefully you know make people think and know we're serious so that was the aim and mm. i think we achieved that bit very quickly we got into a little festival we we won that and then we had our world premiere and then it just it's this this crazy journey so now i know how difficult it is Mm. I just think, yeah, it's 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 it is so rare what happened, but it does happen, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we yeah, I don't know what to say about it. So I'm still, it is it is crazy, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk through 
making a short film then in terms of, like you say, at the time you were doing it for specific reasons. You stepped in, you know, because the director didn't do it. Rachel was doing it for her reasons. And you all wanted to come together and make a short, which I think sometimes the best way. You're doing this because you just want to. We want to tell this story. If people see it, great. You know, this is a showreel for all of us. Let's move forward and then see what happens. And if it gets picked up and if it, you know, wins BAFTA or an Oscar, so be it. Aim there. But I always, I personally always think short should be your calling card. It's something to do that, it's a way of making movies and learning. And like you say, failing and getting better and practicing and practicing. And so many filmmakers don't do it. They go, oh, I'm just going to do my feature. I've made one short and I'm going to, and I was like, no, make as many as you can. Keep making them, right? What's your ethos at Slick Films? Because, you know, this is what you do. You're very good at it. You constantly make brilliant short films. Talk us through the ethos and then we'll talk through how you do the process from beginning to end. Sure. I think my personal ethos has kind of, you know, bred itself into the company and the foundations of the company and and what we promote as exec producers when we help other people uh, on our uh, on other filmmakers with shorts uh, in development with us and i think you get offered a lot when you win an award like an oscar mm, so like an oscar like. yeah yeah <laughs> and uh we were offered a lot you know there was these feature films that came to me straight away but they were just they just weren't right you know i spoke about this um to someone else and i was just saying like you know they were like the the first page was like and uh the johnny is opening the door to his mustang and i'm like i i can't direct this you know <laughs> i can't i can't do that so i think what we decided to do was to learn our craft mm. and realize like we we really don't know we don't we, you know we've done something very good uh important and mm. people liked it but we need to learn we need to learn our craft so that's what we decided to do so and we did we went away and we did some more shorts mm. and we helped other filmmakers do theirs. Mm. So I, I really believe there is a ladder and yeah, there's obviously there's many examples of people not even doing a short going straight to a feature. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, that wouldn't be certainly my, my route. Um, I think you, yeah, you, you have to have space to fail. Yes. And yeah, we, we, uh, for me, it has always been three shorts and a feature. Cool. You know, three okay. shorts, then a feature. And and I've done three shorts now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you'll let, I'll ever feel ready for a feature, but I feel like I've I have learned so much since The Silent Child. Mm. And each short has been has been a lesson and, and working with other filmmakers, I've learned an equal amount from doing that, you know, mm. overseeing them, helping them and talking through and promoting what we already know. Yes. And seeing how that develops as well. Mm. I think that's so true. I think it's really important. I, I mean, those people who jump straight to a feature, I'm like, that's, that's crazy. That's like me. I feel like, and maybe it's too far, but my dad was a dentist. And so therefore I can work on your teeth or uh, someone's a landscape yeah. gardener. I can do that. Sure. I might be all right at it. Yeah. It's a dentist thing. Probably not. But a landscape <laughs> gardening, I might get away with it. But I'm like, gee, you're jumping into a fire without any fireproof clothing on. Yeah. And by doing a short or even a promo or a bar mitzvah video, for God's sake, you learn about camera, technique, angles. If you've not done that, well, you don't know how to work with actors. You don't know what lens size works and what that is 
telling a story. Every lens tells a story. Every angle tells a story. Why are you moving the camera? Why are you not? And if, if you've just read that in a book, it's very different to doing it. Like I say, it's yeah. madness in some way. I get it. And some people do very well at it, but I personally think you have to earn your stripes with anything. Without a doubt. I couldn't agree more. And you've just got to go through the process many times. Mm. You know, I think yep. even still, if you did like a short and it was like a, a one day shoot and then you did another one, it was like a two day shoot. You're not going to learn as much as being on set for like seven days doing a shoot. You know, it, it's it's the miles, isn't it? Mm. I think you need those miles. And, and I, 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 yeah, I can completely understand why people don't break into television straight away or, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think we found ourselves in a very unique position, but I'm just so glad that we went away, learned our craft, and now we can, I think, stand behind that and um, and and be ready for a bigger project now. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about what what makes a good show, what, what, what the failures people do along the way. So let's go from the very beginning. You've got an idea. Okay, where do you feel like you should go from there with a short? What's the process? Well, I think it helps. I mean, funding is such a difficult thing. It's mm-hmm. That's the first big barrier. And I think a lot of new filmmakers obviously make shorts and they don't really know where to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about putting one foot in front of the other and building this team and and building like a pyramid to the top. Sure. So you've got to lay the foundations. You've got to get that core team. And it's so funny, but I, I think people produce without even realizing they're producing. Always. You know. It's unbelievable. They yeah. go, oh, I need a producer. I'm like, you've been producing. Yeah. All your yeah. Other short, you did it yeah. all yourself. Yeah. yeah. Time, <laughs> to, time again, we, we point that out and say, you've actually hired all these people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, right. They just don't have the confidence, you know. Yes. So I think it's... Um, you know that you're going into the unknown if you've never made a short before i think um so the starting point is just kind of building a team really and we really believe in honing that script and i i'm sure it's like exactly the same as a feature it's just so much longer but mm. you've really that's got to be rock solid that's the bible that you know the production designer the dop everybody hangs on to that mm-hmm. and when shit hits the fan on set, people are looking to the script. Mm. They're like, well, we need this scene. It's so There's so much focus on that script. So I mean, I don't know, maybe it's different for other filmmakers, but it's the Bible. Um, so I think people can be impatient. I'm definitely guilty of that. I want to get going. Yep. But you've got to nail that script. You've got to get it ready. You've got to test it. You've got to be open to feedback as well. So I think... Step one is, is you know, this development part, which is so crucial and getting your script right. Mm-hmm. I think I love that you said that. So many people want to jump too quickly. And I'm like, you get one chance with an investor, one chance with a streamer, one chance with an actor, a DOP. And if they go, yeah, script needs work. And, they, and everyone caveats it. Well, yes, we're going to do another pass. And, oh, we'll see what they think. They might have notes. No, make it amazing in your mind and your... And if they come with extra notes, great. But it has to be unbelievable. It just has to be. You know, again, if it's you and your mates and you're going out to shoot something, sure, don't worry about it. But if you're trying to get a name actor or a name DOP or some money from somewhere, well, you have to have gone through that process of sending it to as many friends, as many screenwriting competitions as you can, I think, at least processing it and going, this can't just be something with 
written overnight and going, this is great, let's go shoot tomorrow. Yeah, I completely agree. And you've got to, I think you've got to understand or filmmakers have got to understand if they they haven't uh, made a, a short or sent a script to any anyone you've got to understand especially if it's a feature what you what you're expecting someone to do when you ask them to read your script mm. like what's that like two three hours yeah. to set aside for a feature film easy easy yeah. at least an hour really for uh, a short as well because all right it might be 15 pages but you've got to think about it either side you've got to give your feedback mm-hmm. so i think it's what you said about reading that second draft or, you know, like, oh, there's going to be another one. Well, it's very unlikely that they'll someone will read that second pass, yeah. you know, unless they're really invested in some way. So I think, yeah, you've got to be, you've got to be very prepared for people to just read it once. Yeah. So when people approach you, Slick Films, with projects, which I imagine happens quite a lot, what do you look for? What's the things that work for you and what are the things that don't? What do you think you go, ah, oh, I can see something in that? And like you say, the ones that you just go, yeah, they haven't, it's nowhere near ready. Well, I think films with a social conscience resonate with us. Okay. You know, um, we like to, it's a big statement, but we, we, we like to tr- see if we can change the world a little bit mm-hmm. through film. I think great. we've seen the power of, of film and we've seen, we've seen how it can actually change legislation and and various other parts of society and and people's view on society so i think that will always hook us in if there's a message like that that's not enough on its own it's got to be entertaining Mm -hmm. and and we don't just do that you know like i think i would say you know for every five socially conscious films we do we'll we'll do one that is just pure entertainment a love story or Mm. or something genre you know Mm-hmm. So I think characters, story, and and if there's a message in there, mm-hmm. then we're interested. I mean, me personally, I always read a treatment first because uh, I'm a visual. I'm Image sad. research is massive for me. If yep. I've got if someone sends me a treatment and it's well designed and it's it's well laid out and the image research is is you know on point, and I, I'll get to the end of it and I'll go, yeah, I can completely see what this is mm. i can completely see the vision here then i'll breathe the script yeah i think i'll always do it that way around i'll always have a little look you know i, I, lo- I love reading director's statements mm-hmm. you can just yeah you can get and i think people have to get used to that as well because i think when when you're expecting investors to read a script i i mean i i i think they're they're very unlikely to do that and maybe they're unlikely to even read a treatment, mm-hmm. but they're probably more chance of flicking through something visual than reading 120 pages, you know? That's fact. There's no question about it. You know, a script to anyone who isn't in the business is a, it's an odd thing to read, you know, yeah. int X to what the hell is this day, night? What am I supposed to know here? Uh, character. It's, it's, it's not easy to read. So the more visual you can make your decks and everything. Absolutely. Of course, that's the first thing the investor looks at is visual. I think we do too. I'm the same as you. I really look at, you know, decks. It's when someone sends me something, I'm like, can you just put, you know, have you got a deck? Because like you say, reading a script, that might take me all day. And I don't mean to read it, to think about it, process it, make notes. You've really got to sit and you can't be distracted. You've got to turn everything off. And this is a serious thing. Okay, so script's massively important. You mentioned finances before we even get to set. So let's talk about that a little bit. With short films, as everyone struggles with, it's where to find any kind of money. So 
how did you do it? How do you do it? What do you feel are the best ways to go about that? Yeah, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, we've got a slate of over 30 shorts now. So I think we are doing something right. Yes. Um, I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things. Um, I feel, you know, there's so much pressure on on the grants. You know, everyone will apply for them mm-hmm. and they can't choose everyone. Nope. They must get so many submissions. So, so many. that's a difficult job for them to do. So we'll always encourage people to, yep, yeah, put your put your uh, your your grants in, do the application, and then forget about it. Yeah. If you get lucky, great. But it's that it's a momentum killer, mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten, people won't get that grant. They won't get that funding, and it can kind of crush them a little bit. People rely on it too much, so yes. it's it's really important to kind of. Think of it like a patchwork quilt, uh, you know, how, how we've done it. Like, I know people say, don't put your own money in. But like, if nobody, nobody was, nobody was biting on the silent child. Honestly, it was like we, we had never done anything before. We went everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And, and it, it, we came to this, the end of this weird road where we're like, well, that's, we've literally exhausted all avenues. Mm. So should we crowdfund and i can't tell you how difficult that was it kind of took over our lives for like three months and it was only 10 grand Mm -hmm. but we got it and then then you know so that was one way and you i I don't know like ever doing crowdfunding again i'm not sure (laughs) but you've got to stay open but so crowdfunding you know grants but I, i think our most successful way of funding a short so far has been private investment right i think you know we We design like a hybrid of a director's treatment and uh, a producer's pitch deck slash budget. You know, put all those things in a a nice, sexy designed pack and we call it an investor's pack. And we shop that around and we go to various contacts that we have, but we don't have a massive pool of, of investors. Um, but we, we, you know, we try and connect with people on the internet and at film festivals, and we've always got that up our sleeve. And and it's, like, I guess, it's like private crowdfunding. We'll have mm-hmm. various different packages, and we'll say, you know, like you can have a credit on the film for this this amount. You can have a co production company credit, um, and usually it, it has been really successful. And we'll find people that have a connection to the story or. I just have something to gain by getting their first credit. And, and, and honestly, it's been mostly people that aren't in the industry mm. uh, that are new and it sounds exciting to them. And it's not like you're not asking them to put like 150 grand in 250 grand. Yes. You know, sometimes it's like, can you put two and a half grand in five grand, 10 grand. Mm. So that for us has, has been the most successful. And then I'll come back to self-funding because, you know, I've, I've sat on various panels and people have said, never put your, your own money in. And I get that, mm-hmm. and I know they're right, but what do you do if no one will give you anything? Yep. Well, I, I, yeah, I can't sit here and say I haven't put my own money into things because when no one's, when you're not able to get help from elsewhere, like you've got to back yourself. So Absolutely. I feel a bit cautious about saying it. I don't want to promote it, but I do believe in just doing anything you can to get a film made. And if that does mean you've got to put some savings in mm-hmm. to get to the next level in your career, yep. then I would say do it. Yes. I did it with every single one of my shorts, all my money, put it in because I 
wanted to prove I could make something because no one's going to give you a chance like I we've talked about. And certainly if I was to produce something, if they hadn't made any shorts at all, I'd be, what? no, I wouldn't take that chance. So if that's me, you think of all the big studios and the Netflixes, they're not going to take a chance on you unless you're a superstar actor, different. But if you're just a filmmaker, everyone else out there, you've got to have something in your back pocket. And I literally say, take it out your back pocket, <laughs> that money you've got, save up that money, do everything you can to make a film. And if, like say, put your own savings in or... Yeah. I, I, I say it's investing in yourself, really. Absolutely. Because then you've got something to show. You've yeah. got that. Out of these sort of uh, investors and people like, because there'll be a lot of people going, yeah, but it's all fine for them because they've got an Oscar. It's easier now. But I, I don't agree with that. I think people can find money anywhere. I think there's always people who want to help people who are passionate about something. And I think that is something to think about with your films as well is what's the topic? What are you trying to say? If you're a, a you know, a passionate animal lover, do something on that and then target people who are also passionate about that. Or if it's a dentist story, target dentists. I've gone on the dentist theme today. <laughs> uh, it's not even 2.30 time. Um, so I think, I think that for me is so important that you really think about it and not just, well, I want to make a short and, oh, you can, but then put your own money in. Don't expect anyone else to. And I never did. I never thought anyone would ever put money into any of my shorts. So I was always like, I'll just do it myself. But it's great that there is a way. And there is so many short film funds, not just BFI or there's Genera and there's a few other fantastic ones out there that you can apply to. And I think touching on what you said about applying is what applying does is it focuses you because you've got to answer certain questions about your film. Why are you doing it? You've got to put all that in. That's hugely focusing. Yeah. That really helps to then your deck or your pack to go to investors or go to someone like yourself and say, Oh, I'm, I think I'm ready. Um, yeah. Okay. So there's that side of it. What, is there any other thing that you also, even looking back now that you could differently or finding other ways or avenues to find money for shorts specifically? I mean, we work with, uh, we've cut out a few good deals with charities, actually. Yep, good one. Yeah. And I think, it. look, everything's got to be mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. It's very rare something someone will do something for nothing. Yeah. You know, there has to be a gain on both ends. So, yeah, surprisingly, ch charities can be um, a really good starting point, even if they don't put money in to kind of like have that stamp of approval from them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that in itself can maybe mean that you're taking it seriously. So when you do go to someone else, you can go, oh, we're backed by this charity. So I think that's really good. That's one of the first things we'll always do. If we've got a, a subject, you know, that that's quite hard hitting or mm -hmm. we'll, we'll always try and go deeper with our research and try and connect with experts. Um, and yes, yeah, some of them have uh, given money. I think we did a, a short film called The Morning Bird and uh, that was, you know, about... Uh, knife crime and a great charity called uh, power of the fight you know put in some money and i think what they were going to uh, get out of it was to be able to use the film to go and talk to young people and it was just a great tool for them and they saw value in that mm. and it won't always work yep. but it's um i've heard a few people say this as well so i think i think that's definitely a, a, a good option mm. so I, yeah i think 
I think charities and like taking a risk on people, you know? Yes. Look, like if you want to work with, I think it, you, you, you've got your project going, you've got it ready and you want to, you, you want to work with the best people. But I think, <laughs> I think when we were making the silent child, sorry, I keep coming back to this, but we were so desperate, right? Yeah. That like, I think two days before I knew that I wanted to sit a boom up as well as a sound recordist. It was so important because there was, there was about eight characters at one point. Mm-hmm. And I thought one person can't do that on its own. I, I really value sound mm-hmm. and I thought we need that. And like, I just went on Mandy and I just, I asked people, I said, do you like the script? I've never met them. I just mm-hmm. thought, Oh, his, 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 uh, his profile photo looks nice. I was like, did you like it? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, do you want to come down then? We're filming in Stoke. It was like, yeah, all right. And then I did Amazing. that with another person. Like he, mm. the only credit he had was a music video AC credit. And he just looked like he had a friendly face. I just chatted to him. And I said, do you want to come down? Mm. You know, and yeah. I took a risk and it paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they've got something to prove. And I think if you can find people that are maybe experienced at a lower level, but ready to step up. Yes. They've got something to gain, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think perhaps you don't have to pay like, you know, a feature film fee or an APA rate, you probably can pay a much lower fee to someone who's stepping up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So there's that as well. I think yeah. taking risks on maybe not having your ideal crew. Mm-hmm. Yes, in heads of departments, I think that's important. But yep. like, you know, give opportunities to mm-hmm. other people in maybe smaller roles. Yes. No, I love that. And it's so true. And then actually you find that they're, that helps their career massively, but also they'll come and help you again, yeah. you know, with the next one or for yeah. the features, they'll, yeah, yeah, I'll come and come and do that for you. Interestingly, my first short film, and, I, and we were doing it ourselves type thing on the last one. It's like, okay, we'll do it. I'd done a feature as an actor and the DP was amazing. And it was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sod it. I'll ask. I've got nothing to lose. Let me ask. And he instantly said yes. And it was amazing just because of those connections and people you know, and you took a, I took a risk. And it's not really a risk, but it felt like a risk that he was just going to go, what? No, you're directing what? And he didn't. He went, absolutely. And I'll bring my crew. I'll bring my red. I'll bring this. He's just won the Oscar for um, All Quiet on the Western Front. No way. James Friend. Yeah. Wow. There you go. So sometimes it is about that going, do you know what? I'm just going to ask that person who I might have met once who might help me out. Yeah. And the film was so much better for it yeah and that's where i fell in love with making films myself yeah. and if he wasn't there and i was maybe doing it much more myself or with a friend who'd sort of shooting some stuff ah, would i have fallen as much in love than with someone who was so talented and so on their game and brought so much so yes taking a risk is a big thing to do yeah yeah, and yeah. i think um as an actor you you're it's it's really good to be able to utilize those contacts that you make on set i mean i'll a lot of what we've, we we do, we, we're able to do that. Like Rachel and myself have worked with some fantastic actors and we were able, we have that ability to be able to just send them something or just ask them. And, and, and we've been surprised at how many times that's been a yes. So yeah, completely Isn't it agree. fascinating when yeah. you just ask? People yeah. will always say, they can always say no, that's the thing. And it doesn't matter. But if you don't ask, people are very scared of asking. I think, I think there's a big fear of failure by doing something and then failing at your dream. And I think that's what puts a lot of filmmakers off. Yeah. They, 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 they want to be a filmmaker. I'm going to be a filmmaker, but if I do it and it fails, if I don't have the right DP and it fails, if I don't have the right actors and it fails, I, I'm like, it doesn't matter if it fails. 
learn from that failure. You don't have to win every award. You don't have to win an Oscar for your yeah, first film. Yeah, but that's what you think. Everyone thinks. But but like when yeah. when it happened to us, like we were paralysed. If I'm being completely honest, yeah. we 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 just didn't think anything we were doing was good enough. You know, the, the, mm. I look back at some of the scripts that Rachel wrote, and we both were like, no, 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 we can't, we can't, that can't be. <sighs> it's it's got to be something bigger. It's got to be, and it just paralysed us. Mm. And like look back now, I'm like, oh my god, we should just bloody gone out and done it yeah yeah yeah. and hit that and hit it but you can't you get that fear and i think it's get overcoming that fear and just going do you know what if i want to do this i've just got to go for it and do it i certainly did that with all my shorts and when i made the first feature it was just like you just fight the fear you might fail but do you know what fail boldly fail big and learn from it and and come out the other side yeah i think the other the other side of maybe financing stuff is corporate and it's uh, a different angle, but if you make corporates anyway, maybe persuade them to do a kind of film that is more what you want to make, that you can yes. turn into a short. You go, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had, you know, there is those angles. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- that dream short you've always wanted to make that happens to be set in a dentist and you're doing a corporate about a dentist, turn it into, you know. I mean, that's a good option, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, if you have those contacts. But yeah, I think uh, that it you might lose a bit of freedom there working with a client because it becomes a little bit more commercial. But, mm. um, oh yeah, branded shorts are very branded cool short, as well. Yeah. yeah, I've done one of them and that was an amazing experience. Shot it all on a phone and it was it was wild. It was brilliant. Yeah. I, I think that's great if you can get in there as yes. well. Yeah. yeah, I think any opportunity. I say, I think there are them out there and you've just got to literally go for all of them and if none of them do it yourself i've done three crowdfunders and they're all so hard no question about it it's that fear of again asking your friends for money what i learned from doing crowdfunders is your friends won't put money in some of them might but most of them won't don't get disappointed by that it's the random people who do because you're as long as you target the right people you're targeting people who like i'm gonna keep doing this analogy but dentists and teeth (laughs) or in our case with our vegan documentary we targeted animal rights and then also vegans and then we also targeted environment so we did three different targets so we were very particular about how we did it and very strategic about this week we're doing this one this week we're doing this but that that was prep a lot of prep and knowing uh, that i'd made features by that point and how i could target it and do it and already done a couple of crowdfunders so it's tough let's talk about actually getting to set then and the prep work in what makes a good short now that you have had the success and also learning from making others for other people and what works and what doesn't what advice to go from all right let's say we've written a brilliant script we've now got some money let's say whether it's your own or someone else's what's the next steps for you guys well i think it's yeah deciding on your your collaborators isn't it you know reaching out to your hod's because the 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 talent and your team around you is going to make your film. Mm. So I think those choices, having those conversations and having people that know what a short is, I think that's really important. Mm. You know, you're not doing a short for money. Yes. You're doing it for the script. You're doing it for the story. You're, you're doing it because maybe one day you'll go on and do a feature together. You know what I mean? Or there's something in it for that HOD. Yep that they'll be able to show in their show reel again it's got to be mutually beneficial but yeah i think i think it's it's starting to build the team mm. um and you know i think location is is huge yeah. you know absolutely huge obviously each script has its own variables 
but yeah, I think budget is so so tight, and I, I don't know if it's if it if there's. I think there's probably more wiggle room maybe on a feature because it's the budget's more expansive. Maybe no, it's I, I, honestly it's the same. Yeah. It's just more. So it's like doing a short every day for four weeks or whatever. Yeah. It's the same. You've you you kind of tackle each as you go and then you forget what you've done because you can't physically you retain the edit you retain how this transition will go through but it in my opinion it's the same there's no difference there's just more people to walk by getting to set you know what i mean there's maybe someone giving you a sandwich rather than you making it yourself yeah you know <laughs> there's maybe someone doing you know uh the dit rather than you at night doing it you know it, it, it there's a lot of that but essentially you've just got as a director you've got to hold more in your head as a producer you've got to oversee much more money and much more uh people uh, and more of a therapist side of a lot of planning um and as a writer yeah it's just overseeing the you're making sure it's and that's something i want to ask you as well is the writing of it um do you always go with the beginning middle and end or can they be open-ended it is difficult i think an ending is really important though and and i guess i could talk about more like a the 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 length as well because length, please yes because yeah, i think important films under 10 minutes kind of have less of an end i don't know that's that's what i've seen but okay. but yeah i think if the, the the sweet spot is is apparently between 12 and 15 minutes for a short is this for festival reasons yes programming yeah mm-hmm. um, well, because imagine if you're the festival programmer and you've got a short that's 22 minutes which is great but then you've got two that are 10 you're going to probably get the two that are 10. Yeah. They're just as good, but yeah, yeah. It, that length thing is really tough, I think, for a lot of filmmakers. It is, but I think if you've, you've got a film with that kind of sweet spot, I think it's more likely that you will find the right end naturally. It'll just it'll just feel like that. And I think I think that's enough time, towards, especially 15 minutes and maybe under 20, Like it's enough time for the audience to really engage with the characters. I think under 10 perhaps like there's not enough time for the audience to care enough about those characters. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's so subjective, isn't it? Right. You know, talking about endings. endings. And... So do you not now with your latest, did you think about all those things? Did you think about time and did you think about ending and beginning? I definitely thought I would like to make a short that's around 15 minutes and okay. with credits, it ended up like just under 17. So, you know, kind of did it. Um, but yeah, I think I think going back to programming, when when they can show six short films in a block instead of like three, then then they would prefer that. You know, we've got a short at the moment called By Any Other Name, and that's slightly longer. And the director wanted it to be even longer because he liked having things that just sit. Yeah. And I just said, look, I, I I absolutely agree, but it might be more difficult at festivals. And I kind of got some feedback from a festival that it didn't get into and some of our other shorts did and it literally came down to time it was like i can see the quality but like i can't program it that easy he said anything under 15 minutes is so easy to program you know you've got 50 percent more chance of 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 you know getting into festivals wow. if it's 15 minutes and under and i was like wow you know you get so lost in making these shorts yep. finding the ending you know, finding that beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. But but you know what? You, the idea of these shorts is to get them out there, get them seen. So yeah. it's a tough balance, isn't it? You want to establish your voice. You want to make the film you want to make. But I, I, yeah, it, you want to you get it out there and you want people to 
to give you that feedback and you mm. want that response and you want it to play at these festivals and, and that will help your next project. Yeah. In terms of on set then, and what have you learned that works and doesn't? Because sometimes you have a day, right? You've got the location for a day. You're be lucky you get two or three on a short. What have you learned or your filmmakers have learned during that time, do you think, that really helps? Keep the crew small. Mm. I think when you're an inexperienced director and you know by that i mean i'd still count myself perhaps as an inexperienced director and maybe until i've done a few features i don't know but i think keeping the crew as small as you can obviously you need you 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 can't do everything yourself and my the the crews i've worked with started as like 12 or 15 mm. they i don't i don't like to really have more than like 20 25 crew members if if possible it's not always possible mm. um but i think that that's that's especially if you're starting out keep your crew as small as you can i think you know for our first film i was putting people in costumes yeah. you know rachel was production doing production design yeah. like yeah yeah becky was doing bits of catering and you know we were all yeah that's just how it is on a short you know yeah. you do multiple roles and you just kind of get used to that and it is stressful mm-hmm. but i think it's a good way to learn and I think it just makes it a little bit easier to listen, moving 25 people around <laughs> and organizing their travel mm. and, and getting from a literally getting from A to B yep. is, is far easier if you're just moving like 10 people around, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I don't know, there's something, there is something in this because we've looking at all the shorts we've done so far, there's a handful of shorts that are all made under 10 grand with smaller crews and, I don't know what it is, but they seem to have done the best. Mm. And I, I don't know, maybe that's fluke. But that's about four or five now, and there's something mm-hmm. in that. Yep. They're small budget, they're small crew, yep. and they're getting into these big festivals. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, the festivals aren't even seeing that, yeah. that it's made like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I don't know. I think there is something in keeping it a little bit contained. I agree. I, yeah. I mean, you can move faster for one. Like when you've got a big crew, it takes longer to move everything around, especially if you've got multiple locations. If it's just you, DP, sound, you know, makeup actors, let's go. You know what I mean? Let's move over there now. And you can control that better easier but again it depends what you need you know if you've got big action sequences or you've got people you know pulling pulling limbs off it's a horror whatever that needs a team on that would you suggest that people keep it simple or would you suggest they think ambitiously with a short i think you can work up to more ambitious projects um i think people i mean yeah i I, I think people can start as as ambitious as the story they want to tell is, mm. you know. Um, but it's it's difficult that the experience I think does matter. But I think you've ultimately just got to tell the story you want to tell. Mm. But I think your approach will reflect the quality, and sometimes that doesn't mean having everything you want. Um, I, I actually don't think having all the time in the world is a good thing. Yeah. I think there's, there's, yeah. it's you. You actually become more efficient sometimes with a little bit less money and a little bit less time. Yep. Um, 
I was surprised. I thought we had loads of time on my last short. Uh, I was like, oh, well, this, this, God, we've got three scenes and one day we'll be fine. And we were over nearly every day, you know. Um, so I, I actually think there's something in being, yeah, just making it a little bit tighter, perhaps. Yeah. I don't think all the money in the world is the answer to all your problems. I think it's, you know, we have, we had loads because of COVID, our shoot was delayed. We had loads of time to plan and storyboard. We couldn't have been more prepared really. Mm-hmm. And still loads of things went wrong. Mm-hmm. And the day, the day we thought would be almost impossible went so well and so easy. I couldn't work it out. I was like, <laughs> right. But one of the biggest lessons I learned was like, if you want to speed something up, shoot on Steadicam. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I was like, oh my God, the Steadicam saved us. Wow. You know, we designed all these shots and I thought, God, that's going to take, that's going to take hours. And it, and it just didn't. Wow. And I was like, well, I, yeah, I know it's not the first time I've used a Steadicam a few times, but it just like really clicked. I was like, well, oh my God, that the Steadicam saved the day, mm. you know? Mm. That's, it is interesting, isn't it? Those choices and gosh, things will go wrong and accept them and it's going to happen. And on a short, you're going to go over. So don't mess around at the beginning of the day. I think people people plan for things to go wrong, right? But mm-hmm. they don't really plan for it to go right. Right? Yeah, yeah. and it does. Yeah, it does so go right. You got to have faith in that. Things yes. go wrong, but they also yeah. go right too. Yes, they do. Now moving on to post and edit, getting it out there. What's what 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 kind of things do you think have helped you, especially with the Silent Child, when you set that up and you sort of went, wow. How do you plan your post process? Because that's where a lot of people just sit on it and go, oh, I've got work at the moment. I'll do it in a bit, especially with shorts. Yeah, I think we've been so lucky to have people that just really engage with the work that we're doing. And we've kind of kept hold of them with, you know, great color grader, sound mix, and they don't work on everything. Had to accept that it's a bit slower um, unless you've got a massive budget and you can hire one of these post houses to do it all very quickly. Mm. It's just, I think, accepting on the short that perhaps you are working with people maybe out of hours. And and yeah. and that's kind of how we've done it because we've kept our budgets a little bit smaller by, yeah, working with, with crew that perhaps have a day job. Maybe they work at Molinaire or mm-hmm. one of the post houses during the day. Yeah. But after hours and on the weekends, they'll help us out. And that's exactly how it's it's kind of worked. And we, yeah, like I say, we've kept this amazing, amazing team. And, and and we, you know, it's very difficult to navigate a first short with post. And, and then they, you know, you have to get your DCP ready and that doesn't work. And yeah, there's, uh, it, it's, a, it's just going through the process, I think, just once, I think is going to film school, you know. And I really enjoy kind of mentoring people that go through that process the first time like Mm -hmm. two of my best friends have both done a short with me and like i've just loved like helping them and they're like oh my god what what happens now i'm like don't worry you will not be putting a film out there that you're not proud of and they're like but what if this doesn't work i was like it will don't worry just be patient like we'll get it right we'll never put something out that isn't you're not 100 percent happy with Mm -hmm. um so it's just like you know, it, I can empathise so much with with their yeah. fear and their their pain, and they don't know that because they haven't gone through the entire process yet. Yes, yeah, and and that fear of seeing that first edit and just going, "It's terrible. My film is terrible," and abs- it will look terrible. Honestly, now no, that first cut will be terrible. Yeah, that's okay. Now you've got to make it better and chip, chip, chip away at it and get it better. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't Scorsese <laughs> even say, like, if you're not heartbroken after watching the first cut, 
there's something seriously wrong. Yes. So I kind of held on to that. And I've always broken my heart, like, Moments. pretty on every first oh, cut. Oh, it hurts, doesn't it? You just look at it and go, oh, that I am a terrible filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am the worst. Yeah. I'm never going to work again. I should bin this now. And I th- actually, I think a lot of filmmakers do stop at that point. They go, this is terrible. I'm not putting it out. But no, persevere with that film. You had a vision. And even if the shots weren't exactly what you wanted, it, it, it the story is still there. You've shot your story. Tell that story. Yeah, um, but but also just all the bells and whistles, the sound mix, the sound design, the grade. You know that that when once it's picture locked, like it's a completely different film. Mm-hmm. I think the more films you do, the more experience you have. You 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 learn to trust that. Yeah, you you do, and you know it's going to get better, and it it usually does. <laughs> no, it always does. It always does. Uh, and we talked about festivals a little bit, but. W- where maybe some of the better ways to apply, you know what I mean? Now knowing your journey to winning an Academy Award, but also other people's journeys of that as well, and you're guiding that. Uh, what's best ways to, to apply, I suppose? Well, look, everyone knows Film Freeway, mm-hmm. um, and I think everybody's uncomfortable with uh, Short Film Depot. I think there's two main platforms, and, and then other some big festivals as well, you apply on their own website. But yeah, Film Freeway makes it so easy and it can be quite addictive actually. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I was surprised. I thought actually perhaps winning an Oscar might help the next festival run mm-hmm. and it fucking doesn't. Really? <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. Not honestly. Like it might be easy to go back to some of the festivals and say, but if they don't like it and it doesn't program, like you get in because the film's good, not, not what you did last that's probably very true on features as well yeah I, i've seen they'll definitely look at it but if they don't like it like you say they'll go well it's not we're yeah. going down this angle and yours isn't that angle yeah. so we're not it doesn't matter if you've won before and you'll turn up and talk about it that's really interesting yeah i mean that, that. that's 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 my experience anyway mm. i mean i'm sure it's helped in in certain ways but yeah i think it's about the work which i like right right and what about, because the, there's a lot of platforms now where you can put your your short film on there to potentially turn a profit. I think two things make it more likely for you to turn a profit on a short film, and that's a very low budget and huge success on the festival circuit. And I've, I've spoke about them all the time. I mean, people think I, I have shares in this company, but I just love them and we work we work with them. They're called Net- Network Island Television and they're a small company and they're, you know, they're in Ireland. Personally, we love working with them. They don't take on everything that we do. Um, so we look for other avenues then. Something else we didn't touch on right then is uh, companies who help short filmmakers put their films in festivals. There's quite a few out there now who short filmers go, oh, they will help me then all the festivals and doing it that way. Is that another way to do it as well? And Yeah, there's a great company called Festival Formula um, and I think they're great. And I think they do features as well. They do now, yeah. Uh, we've worked with them and I'd highly recommend them. Okay. Because I think they, what they do is they go to every festival. You see them go all around the world and they know their stuff. They're connecting with the festival directors and... You can't buy that knowledge, you know, whilst we're busy making films, they're jetting off around the world at at all the big film festivals. Mm. And and yeah, knowledge is power, right? Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think the company's incredible. Slick Films is just, you know, for people I 
meet now who do mention you or talk about you. I had a few who've and I've gone, yeah, yeah, I know who they are. And, you know, you've got that reputation, which is fantastic. And you've built it up brilliantly. And it's, uh, it proves that shorts are a fantastic breeding ground and a place where you can create and learn and make things you want to make and get out there and do it and be the filmmaker, you know? And I think that's huge. So congratulations to you and Rachel and the whole team. You know, it's brilliant. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Yeah. Um, finally, I wanted to ask you about that moment when you sat at the Academy Awards and you're thinking, could we win this? And they come to your moment and they're about to read your names. Talk us through that that moment. Well, I, I, I specifically remember sitting there and the, you, you sit on the kind of the same row as all your fellow nominees. Right. So all the short film nominees were on the same row and and, and we were next to uh, an, you know another set of nominees and they, someone with a clipboard came around to them and just, oh, okay, can we move you to the front? And we were like, oh, no. <sighs> and we looked at each other, me and Rachel were like, oh, well, you know, we're here. We're here. Yes. We were, you know, we were just like, it just, it, it wasn't meant to be. And we genuinely thought at that moment, you know, it wasn't, it didn't go our way. Right. And we were, I was a bit gutted, mm-hmm. uh, but in, in a way quite relieved that I didn't have to get up and say something on stage. Genuinely, that, really? that, that was a thing. I remember Sam Rockwell being the first to get his award and like, I just, the dread, I thought, oh my God, if we do win, I've got to, I've got to say something. I was like, I'd actually prefer not to. And then throughout the evening, I think that went back and forth. Like Rachel was really nervous at one point, And then I was like, oh, no, uh, I know, I think we'll be all right. And then that would flip when someone else would talk. <laughs> but anyway, five minutes later, someone with a clipboard came around and said, hi, oh, your award is, is coming up. Can you move down the front? And we were like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, we're back on. Yeah. yeah. All right. And At they, least they, a camera in yeah. my face. Yeah. yeah. And then they they sat us in they sat us in this box next to the stage and and um, yeah. And then I don't know. It was. I mean, people said we looked quite cool, calm, and collected. But I think I was just in shock when they they read that out. But I just remember it being so long. We were sixteenth, number sixteen, mm. and it was like. It was it was painful. We were just like I don't know the nerves, like because so much depends on it, right? Yeah. And yeah, and like yeah, all the massive. hard work yeah. that you done leads up to this moment. And we would have been all right with whatever happened, but I think more than anything, we wanted it. We wanted it for all the hard work of the team and and what it would do for the profile of of deaf awareness. Yes. So there was there there's a, there was that you know internal pressure going on, and I remember the two presenters. Uh, they were both in bridesmaids, and mm. they were, you know, laughing and joking as 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 the presenters do, and we just were not in the mood for jokes. We were like, "Yeah, it's just it's just this weird thing." And then yeah. they, yeah, open open the envelope and read out your names, and you go, "Shit, we've got to go and say something." Mm-hmm. And I remember locking eyes with Meryl Streep and just going, <laughs> "Wow, this is mental," and. Just remembering how heavy the Oscars were, because Rachel was signed her speech, so I had to hold mm. both of them. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were very heavy, and 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 then she did her speech, and you, it's drummed into you, by the way, before before you, you know, on the on the road to kind of the 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 evening, mm. like you've got forty five seconds to say your piece and get off. It's so they're so serious with you. They're like, you got, you don't have enough time, uh, and. I just remember this massive clock in the audience, like um, oh, it's literally a countdown clock in yeah, the audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, Rachel was finishing up her speech, and I just remember it said like three, 
two, one, and then and she finished hers, and I had to speak, and then it just said, "Get off the stage," and I was like, "Okay," and I just rattled through my thank yous and stuff like that, and then it and then it flashes up again, like "Get off the stage," get off, the yeah, stage. and a then coming in a minute, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> and then the music comes up, and <gasps> then I know the next stage is they turn the mic off, oh, so I was wow. so close to like having everything I said like cut off, <laughs> like maybe seconds. But right. it was just like, you know, I was like, come on, Rach, hurry up. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, yeah, three, two, one, get off the stage. Wow. Like, time's up. Like, yeah. get, get off the stage. Get and... off, you idiots. No, yeah. no, yes. yeah. no, please. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a magical moment yes. and one we will treasure forever. And mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it, I look back with such fond memories of that, of that. that evening, you know. And the, after that must have been the best blur moment afterwards because you did, you didn't think you were going to type thing you're going to win at half the night and then yeah. suddenly you're holding Oscars yeah. both of you wandering around getting invited to all the parties now suddenly it's suddenly like oh you're the winners that again must have just been this wonderful blur of don't yeah. know what's going on yeah there's the vanity fair party and, and like <laughs> we we didn't have an invite but apparently like you know people were saying oh if you show your Oscars you'll get in and we were like ha ha no and people were like no no if you do you so we we're like okay so yeah. we we went there and and um, it was quite nice because a lot of the the press leading up to the Oscars were so kind to us and so supportive. So it was nice to kind of go and chat to them for a little bit. But ultimately, we didn't stay very long. Mm. We wanted to get back to like there was like a, a house party in nice. um, in in Glendale where we were staying, and we just wanted to kind of be get with, back there and be with yeah, the people, people who who we made the film with. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you very much. This has been fabulous. What a wonderful chat. I've really enjoyed this a lot. It's been really magical. Well done, man. I really really thought this was great. Thank you. I I love the podcast and um, yeah, uh, I can't wait to continue listening. Thank you. So listen, it's it's kind of proved you can go make your film, short film, whatever it is, you can do it. It's only write the best script. And that's what we've discussed today, how important that is. Find the best collaborators. You can absolutely do that. And think about your shots on set. Don't waste time. Get it done. Get it the best you can. Just go out and do it. Sometimes you just have to go out and bloody do it. Yeah. You know, don't wait for it to all be perfect. Uh, because it usually won't be just get out there and make it happen and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down just as chris has done thank you so much what an amazing chat appreciate a lot cheers giles take care everyone we'll see you next tuesday uh, for another uh, episode of the filmmakers podcast until then go make your films literally do something about it now this week why not What else are you waiting for? Don't be scared anymore. Make it happen. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.